You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. This is Wednesday's prayer. We've preached through Monday that we may join a community with the marginalized and disenfranchised to provide social, emotional, physical, and spiritual support. The Tuesday prayer that we may develop 26 new partners, one new deacon, and one new local ministerial candidate. And now we're on to Wednesday's prayer that the Holy Spirit would empower our congregants with spiritual gifts for ministry and grow fruit in us. So as we get into this message, let me talk to you about you. We have a bit of a trope in worship music, um, and it kind of goes like this. And this is just preaching, it's worship music, it's all these different kinds of avenues of church. Where we say, God, I don't want any of me, I just want all of you. I, I don't want to be Jamin anymore. You can do away with me. You can kill me. I just want to be all about you with none of Jamin remaining. Please give me that. Many of us have prayed this. Many of us have leaned into this. Many of us have hoped for this. And that's, that's a good passion and a right under, uh, it is a good understanding of what we mean when we're saying, God, I want you to take over my life i want to be transformed to your image that's all good but there's this problem in the midst of it it's kind of where humility goes wrong where we think that god has made a mistake by making us and that he doesn't want us to exist but really just wants us to be jesus and i think there's a, a confused understanding in the midst of this because it causes us to just completely deflate and destroy ourselves as though we don't matter to god whatsoever and that's not the picture that the bible gives us so in the beginning he makes humanity and they are like the kings and queens of creation they're also the prophets of creation they live in god's presence where they reign over the earth and they live in God's presence where they hear his voice so that they know how to treat the rest of the earth. They are kings, they are queens, they are prophets. They are not little deals. They are magnified when it comes to the hierarchy of everything God has created. And God makes man and woman in his image. Now we've stated this a hundred different ways throughout history. A lot of people think that being made in God's image is to maybe God has, you know, 10 fingers, 10 toes. He's got a nose and things like that. Maybe we look like what God looks like, but we know that God is spiritual and doesn't need a physical form. So that doesn't quite make sense. Others say that, well, it's, it's our ability to reason and think and communicate and talk. But that doesn't make sense either. You've seen birds. They know how to like just turn direction and they all go along. I don't know how they do it, but they clearly know how to communicate and talk and reason. My dog was attacked by a dog next door a few months ago. And ever since then, he has lived out traumatic reasoning. If a new person comes over that he does not know, he loses his mind where he didn't used to before. If the neighbors who were there when he was attacked come by, he really loses his mind. He's reasoning in that moment. He's trying to figure out why he's in danger again. 
Animals know how to reason. Uh, creation knows how to reason. So what does it mean to be made in God's image, or as the Hebrew word is, Salem? It helps us to understand that Salem is interpreted two different ways in the Bible. If Salem is used in a positive light, we often use the English word image. We are made in God's image. But image is another thing in the Bible too. Salem is also translated in a negative light in English to idol. It weirds people out at first to hear this, but humans are the image of God in the same way that idols are the images of false gods. Humans image what Yahweh is like, whereas idols are trying to image what the false gods are like. This is why the Bible talks about how God, like he doesn't want an image made to him. Why? He already made them. You, he made you. You are made in his image. This is why the Bible talks about, about um, why God, uh, like all the other idols out there, they don't breathe, they can't speak, they're just made of wood and stone. Why does the Bible make such a big deal out of all the idols being like that? Because God's image, God's Salem, God's idol, if you will, is already like so far beyond wood and stone and non-breathing. You are animate, you move, you breathe, you live. The other idols of the false gods, they can't do anything for their gods. They can't serve the earth, they can't move around, they can't breathe, they can't do anything. It's just a piece of wood. But you, you are made in God's image and God can get the work done that he needs to get done through you as a person which means he's interested in you. You were not made by accident. You were made with purpose. The Bible's constantly talking about how the Spirit is, is creating all that exists and is continuing to create life. You are not an accident. Now, we all know that we can give our hearts over to idols rather than image Yahweh. We can decide to image lesser beings. We can worship other creatures. We can worship other humans made in God's image. All these different kinds of things are idolatry because we're no longer trying to image Yahweh, which is what we've been created to do. We're trying to image all of his creation, which is lesser than him. Even if we try to image the false gods, they're lesser than him. And we also know that sin has messed up the spiritual realm and the physical realm. So anytime we try to image anything other than Yahweh himself, we find ourselves stuck in sin, doing the wrong things because our focus is on something that it wasn't ever supposed to be on. So God chisels you. He pulls you out of the dirt. He crafts you. And just like in ancient culture, they would try to do this service to like breathe life into the idols that they'd build. God takes dirt and he breathes into you using that ancient custom. He makes his own idols, his own images. You are not to be worshipped, of course. You are supposed to be a living, breathing, moving representation of who God is. And if God was interested in you having no uniqueness in yourself, he would have just made an exact copy of himself. Instead, what God is interested in is taking you, yourself, 
and helping craft you into the most God-centered version of yourself you can be. He's not like, Jamin, I just want to kill you. I, I just really want me to live in you and, and like have no identity of yourself. I just want homogenous Christians all exactly the same. It's like that SpongeBob episode, right? Where Joel's the only one who's going to know this. But they all get turned into these perfect squares and they just walk around. It's like, hi, how are you? Like perfectly all the same. No uniqueness, just a bunch of squares in the end. That's often the way that we think of Christianity, that we're all supposed to fit into this perfect box, be the same, and that's why we show up and all the language turns in the same. Hello, brother, how are you? Oh, I am fine, how are you? You know, and like Christianity just becomes this square version of who God is. But God's not interested in everyone just losing their own identity. He wants you to become the most perfect God-like version that you can be. It's not, Jamin, I just want to kill you and be done with you. It's, Jamin, I want to chisel at you to make you more and more like me. And when we see somebody living uniquely, the church is often like ready to jump on that and squelch it out. I mean, we have nerd church. I have people in nerd church who are like, I've always wanted something like this, but the church told me like, that's weird, don't be like that. Well, yeah, there are some things in nerd culture where we would say, hey, that's outside of God's will for us. But there are also plenty of things where like, no, you can like games and be a Christian. <laughs> It's not, it's not bad. That's who you are. You like to play. Who doesn't like to play? So we try to find these versions, the best versions of ourself, unique, but also turned into what God wants us to be in fullness. So when you get into the New Testament, you do kind of have this language of dying to self. So I want to be careful here because the New Testament is very clear. Like Jesus is the image of God and we are trying to become exactly like Jesus because of all the images of the world, all the 30-ish the images in this room right now, there is only one human image who ever did it right, who followed every single step of the way sinlessly and acted exactly as God wanted him to act. And it was Jesus. And so the New Testament starts saying, Jesus is what we need to be like. And so Jesus becomes like a, a prototype. Like look, look at him and begin to model the way in which you live after him. It's not you no longer exist, just be Jesus. It's here are all the stories about Jesus. Here's how he lived. Here's how he's acted. John said that there could be way more stories about Jesus recorded, but there's not enough space in the world to write them down. So here's the collections that we have so you have a good manual as to how Jesus lived. If you really want to be made in the image of God and you really want to show people who Yahweh is, look at Jesus and act like him. But here we go a step further. Jesus who walked in the power of the Holy Spirit, has taken the Holy Spirit, also known in the Bible as the Spirit of Jesus, and he's put it inside of you. So now the Holy Spirit lives in you and will not only teach you off the manual of Scripture, but will also live inside of you and inform you the ways in which the image of God should look. 
So when you face that decision, sometimes you're going to come across neutral decisions where God's like, make your best decision. You're you. You're unique. I remember one person I was praying with and we were doing some imagining God and God seemed to only answer questions that he wanted to answer. And I was very confused at one point when um, the person was faced with the decision that they could move across the states or they could stay here. It's like, Jesus, what do you want? And Jesus, in their mind, did this. He, two hands, just like balancing. What do you want? And in my mind, I was like, whoa, well, maybe God doesn't care about do I go on a walk right now, but certainly he cares about where I move my life to. But in that moment, God was like, what, what, would, what would work for you? I can use you in either place. To us, that's like a huge life decision. I've got another friend who said uh, he had a similar moment. He was doing ministry and he woke up in the middle of the night, like sat up uh, and from a dream and his wife sat up at the same exact moment. And he looked at his wife and he said, I think God's saying it's time to go and do ministry somewhere else. And his wife just looked at him and said, yeah, he just told me that too. <laughs> But if I remember right, it was actually open as to where he went, where they went. It was time to leave where they were at, but I think they had maybe two other decisions where they felt the Spirit saying, which one do you want? That's a moment where God's honoring their uniqueness, but also chiseling them to be like him. I am telling you it's time to go. Let's figure out your options. So when we get in these spaces where we say, God, I just don't want to be me at all anymore, we miss the fact that the beginning of the Bible is about God collaborating with you as a unique person. You should not be Jamin. You need to be you. And the Bible in the New Testament continues to say that. Yes, chisel yourself so that you look exactly like Jesus, but do it as the unique person that you are. You don't need to uh, depart with everything that makes you you. Now, you are going to find sin in your life, and those things God is for sure going to say, this stuff has to go. We would not be Christians, and we would not be operating in the conviction of the Holy Spirit if we just said, I'm exactly as I want to be, and I never got to change anything about me. No, God is always going to want to chisel because we are fallen human beings who embrace all different kinds of sins. So we are not to be so unique that we're just cool with sin. But we are to be unique enough that you are you and not someone else. So what do you look like if the Holy Spirit was to operate fully in you? What do you look like if you let God continue to chisel you into everything you would be? And the New Testament says that we would look like a body of believers that operate differently. This brings us again into today's prayer that the Holy Spirit would empower our congregants with spiritual gifts for ministry and grow fruit in us. We've already talked about the growing fruit part. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit. If we say I'm unique and I'm just going to live in sin, that is not at all what I am preaching today. Because the Holy Spirit grows fruit to pull us out of sin. And Jesus says when he comes to check on the fruit, he will break off branches that have not grown fruit. 
The Bible continues to show judgment on people who continue to live in lawlessness, is what the Bible says, where these Christians who actually operated in the power of the Spirit come up to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, they do like a double acknowledgement of who Jesus is. You are Lord, you are Lord. And Jesus looks at these Christians, empowered with the Holy Spirit, who have cast out demons and healed people, and Jesus says, I don't know who you are. Like, how can you not know who we are? We just called you Lord, Lord, twice. We're very passionate about it. We've done all this ministry. How do you not know who we are? And Jesus' response is, you workers of lawlessness. And we've seen this before, where people actually are gifted in incredible power of the Holy Spirit, and then church just becomes this huge corrupt business that then is oppressing the poor. I mean, Jesus is not acknowledging anything that we haven't seen in church before. And Jesus looks at these people who are working in the power of the Spirit. It's like, you, you didn't even chisel at all. You embraced all this sin. You just ran with it. Jesus wants to grow fruit. And that's important. If you are truly looking like Jesus, then love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control should be flowing out of you. And probably the best way to interpret that word goodness is actually more like generosity. Generosity. These are the kind of things that should be flowing out of you if you are imaging Yahweh as he is, if you are trying to look like Jesus as he is, if you are letting the Holy Spirit actually grow stuff in you, that kind of stuff will come out. So we've talked about the importance of God growing fruit in us. But spiritual gifts, that's different in the church. I often... Uh, and in my mind, I think I'm always like, God, I just want to be empowered for ministry and I want all the gifts. And I'll be honest, like that's, that's in me. I want to see all the things. Like, I'm happy to do that. And uh, those kinds of stories, those testimonies, those make me happy. And that's the way that Jesus operated, right? Jesus is the most anointed person in all of history. The Holy Spirit was fully on him to empower him in every single way. But when Jesus pulled up his disciples every week. I got to take this thing off. Sorry. When Jesus calls up his disciples, he tells them that they're all going to have different gifts. Well, technically, this is Paul. Paul looks at the church and says, you all have different gifts. Does everyone speak in tongues? No. Does everybody prophesy? No. Does everybody do A, B, C, D, E? No. And I think there's more spiritual gifts than what's recorded in the Bible. Paul was not giving us exhaustive lists. We know that because there's two times in the Bible where he mentions spiritual gifts, and both those lists are different. So, like, oh, Paul, you left us out of the other one. <laughs> well, Paul's just going with the flow. Here's a few that came to mind. Worship leading is not a spiritual gift in the Bible, but I can tell you I've been in worship services where there was certainly a gifting and worship services where there weren't. And... Um, I think the list can go on in lots of different ways. But the Bible shows us, like, church, you got to work together. You have to become the body. Because I uniquely have empowered each one of you differently to do the mission that you're called to do. Some of you are evangelists. Some of you are prophets. Some of you are apostles. Some of you are pastors. Some of you speak in tongues. Some of you prophesy. Some of you ABC. You know, you just keep going down the list. Why are we different? 
Because if one of us became so full of the Holy Spirit as Jesus was, we would never give anyone else space to do ministry. And what's the job of the pastor in the first place? It's to equip the saints for ministry. Now, I love to pray for people. One of the things that sometimes bums me out is I'll have a prayer team ready to go, and I'll always have someone come to me, Pastor, will you pray for me? It's like, oh, yeah, they're in the back corner. Yeah, but I want you to do it. I am not more special than the rest of us. Yeah, I'll pray for you. I love to pray for you. But spread the love, you know? Allow people to walk in the uniqueness of, of who they are. And we've built this model of church over the last few decades that is so pastor-focused. You do everything, just bring people to church, the pastor will do the rest. And that's not the Bible. If you look at the church service in 1 Corinthians 14, it is so lay-led that it must have just been chaos sometimes. All right, I want to sing this song now. I want to take the mic. I got something to say. <laughs> all right. You know, just like service, just going with the flow all the time. Um, but that's because in the early church, the church was the church. They were the body of Christ. And if everybody was just a toe, we would not even be standing. We would just be a toe. If everybody was in, if we had no kneecaps, we would never move anywhere. You know, you can just keep envisioning the body. But Jesus chooses that for a reason. He chooses that metaphor. Or Paul chooses that metaphor for a reason. If we don't all work in the spiritual gifts in which we've been assigned, the church will fall right on her face because she will not be able to move correctly. People will look at her and she will appear deformed because she'll be missing what she needs to operate correctly. So this is another prayer that you might be able to put under your Wednesday prayer. Um, when you are asking for the church to grow in spiritual gifts, start asking God, what are we missing? And start praying for it. God, we looked at our stats. Hardly anyone has come to salvation over the last few years. Would you give us an evangelist? Someone who can meet people like that. Start asking for the things that you're interested in. I know, the, I just said that God only gives us certain spiritual gifts, but the Bible is complex. Yes, God gives out different spiritual gifts, but Paul tells us to be eager to prophesy and experience the greater gifts. So what Paul is saying is... Be in the gifts that you already have, but don't stop there. Keep hoping for more and keep pressing in for more and keep asking for more. God wants you to ask. He gives good gifts to his children. I've had two times in the last year where the Holy Spirit has very clearly um, said to me and uh, others, um, where the Holy Spirit has clearly said to me and to someone else, Ask me. Do you ask? Be bold in what you ask for. God likes to give good gifts to his children. You do not receive because you do not ask. So ask. And if you're going to ask for it, you've got to operate in it, okay? So, uh, Jesus, I want to heal people. Would you, would you please give me that spiritual gift to heal? Are you going to pray for someone to be healed? Well, I'll do it from afar. <laughs> if 
me and Caitlin had that happen one time where somebody was asking for prayer for a stranger they didn't know who was sick that was really far away and they were never going to talk to. They just wanted us to pray that they'd be healed. And I was like, I get it. That's, that's great, but this is your job. You know this person. You need to go up to them and pray for them. So, yeah, we'll pray too, but um, this, this responsibility is yours, not mine, to pray for someone in far away that I'll never see who's a stranger to me. When you find someone who's sick, don't, I got to find Jamin to go pray for them. This is your job. This is your task. And you might say, well, I don't have the gift of healing. You know why spiritual gifts tests are bad? Because people test low on things they've never tried before. Well, I've never seen anyone healed, so I guess I don't have that gift. Well, have you ever prayed for anyone to be healed? No. Well, no wonder you don't know if you have that gift or not. You will find out if you have the gifts by pressing into them. And if you are faithful to pray for every sick person you come across, maybe it will happen eventually. That's sometimes a testing phase of God. Are you going to keep praying? Are you going to keep praying? Heidi Baker was told that she would see deaf ears healed, or maybe it was blind eyes seeing. Maybe it was both. I don't remember. But she was told that she would see people healed. And so she prayed for every deaf and blind person she saw for like a year or two straight, and nothing happened. But then one day... She prayed for someone, and they saw. They finally saw. And now it's like every blind person that she prays for, they see. God spoke the word. God tested her for years. And then God broke through with the gift. And now her ministry in Mozambique is to go into villages of strangers, get up on stage and say, bring me your deaf people. Eventually, someone will find a deaf person because a deaf person can't hear her. Deaf person will come up on stage, they'll pray in front of this whole village they just met, and then they'll speak into that deaf person's ear, and they'll repeat what they said. Everyone sees them healed, and then they tell them about Jesus, and they come to faith. It may not even be that she sees all sicknesses healed, but specifically things like eyes and ears, which means if there are gifts of healing, which Paul seems to imply, then we need not just one person in here to pray for healing. We need someone assigned to every body part, which sounds weird. We need someone assigned to all the different pieces so that we can pray, you know. But pray anyways. I always pray. It doesn't matter if I've seen her or not. Leora mentioned last week that her arm felt significantly better and still doing okay. I know you've had a shovel a lot lately. She said she can do things that she wasn't able to do before. That was great. I'd love to see that. Do I see every arm I prayed for healed? No, I do not. But because I'm just willing to say, your arm hurts, let's pray, we saw it on that particular day. You are unique physically, identity as you and as a person, and spiritually. And if 1208 Greenwood is truly going to bring heaven to Jackson, then you need to let God continue to chisel you, grow fruit in you, grow gifts in you. And at the same time, you need to be you. Don't try to be like Jamin. Don't try to be like that person that you've always put on a pedestal. Ask God to make you like you. But in the fullest God expression of what he has always wanted you to be. We tracking with that? Again, I'm not telling you to just be you and don't care about anything else. I'm telling you to let God craft you into the fullest expression of what he needs out of you. 
So Jesus, here we are, each of us unique, and we want to use the uniqueness that you have designed us with to image you into creation. We want the way that we take care of things to image you into creation. We want the way that we work to be worshipped to you, because in the Bible, work was worship. We were put here to work and to chisel the earth into the fullness of heaven. So if we're going to do that, then we're going to worship while we do it. That's something in the Bible like farming is actually worship. We want to image you where we work. We want to image you where we live, where we play, in our families, with our friends, in our communities, in our home churches, with the strangers on the street. We want your Holy Spirit to speak louder than he ever has. We want you to empower us stronger than we've ever been. But we want to be chiseled the whole time so that we don't end up in lawlessness. We want to be chiseled the whole time so that we put on the flesh of Christ and look exactly like him in all the ways that we work and live and breathe and move move while still being the people that you have designed us to be because you like us you love us we were not accidents but we certainly can be prone to accidents so make us more like you in jesus name amen if anybody has any questions on stuff i talked about find me we'll chat about it a few other things going on right now if you need food uh, or clothes shante raise your hand shante is our latest intern uh, taking over for Caitlin, or just taking over. Uh, so she's going to be in charge. When you see her here, she's in charge of kind of like food distribution and clothes distribution. If you ever need that, find her during this hour. We'll have prayer. If you need prayer for healing or anything else in the front room, Joel. Oh, you want to share those now? Uh, the first word would be anyone that feels as if though maybe the Bible has maybe put a sort of restriction on their life as if though they don't have, um, they feel like the Bible is um, not letting them feel maybe self-loved or uh, something like that. So if you need prayer and feeling like the Bible is maybe telling you that you are a terrible person or something like that, uh, we can pray for you and uh, make sure you can see that there is love uh, within the context of the Bible. Um, another one being uh, the words, the thing about the sprinter is he will always come in, come in last in the marathon. So if you feel like you want to practice these gifts and you just want to get it as fast as possible, uh, there's prayer for uh, maybe how to pace yourself and uh, realize that this is something that needs to be practiced. Uh, the last one is the word ripping off the Band-Aid before it's finished. Healing worsens the wound. So if you feel like you can't really uh, practice these gifts because you're doing, dealing with a lot of trauma, a lot of pain, um, there's also prayer for you as well. So. And that first word, I think we also had Wednesday night at spare um. So that's like a double assessment of that word. Okay, we love you. Stick around for Kingdom Ministry over the next hour if you'd like. Otherwise, if you take off, we'll catch you soon. And uh, thanks, everybody.